Welcome back. Whitey Gleason, Kyle Draper, our debut voyage here, the Drive Guys. By the way, all guests come to you from the Folsom Lake Honda hotline. Folsom Lake Honda, your one-stop Honda shop. Alex Lynn may have given us a little glimpse into a strategic wrinkle we'll see from the Kings this year. And I don't think Kyle's too excited about it, but we'll get to that. Before we do, I got to ask you guys about something. Um, Because my wife was giving me a hard time about something I did once uh, yesterday. And I I bet I'm not the only one that did it. Can I? Do you mind if I just run that by you real quick? If you must. Yeah. No, go ahead. Go ahead. What you got? Uh, Years ago, well, yesterday I got a new credit, a new debit card. So I had to activate it. And she says, don't sign it on the magnetic strip. Because years ago I got a new card and. You know how you have where you sign it, then you have the magnetic yeah, strip? Yeah, And I guess I wasn't paying attention, and I, I signed the magnetic strip instead of, and she's never forgotten that, and she, you know, every chance she gets, mm, I'm probably not the only one who's done that, right? There's probably a lot of people that have done that, right? No, I don't I don't think so. You, you're talking like the thing that's, that, like, at the bottom or whatever? I'll, you signed I'll, it on the, this let me see, it, but is see, that it? No, this isn't it, but see, there's where you sign it. Yeah, you signed it the there? Magnetic, and I signed it, <laughs> I signed it, this is a long time ago, on the magnetic who strip. Who does that? Uh, well, probably, uh, probably a no, lot of people. No, no, nobody. There's probably a lot of people that do. A lot of us have done that. You just weren't thinking. You just were like, just. Did you think you were supposed to sign there? You know, I had so many important things Let that were going through Come my on. mind. You know what's so crazy? And I probably should. I actually don't sign mine at all. Yeah, the, the one I got yesterday, you didn't yeah. even have to sign at yeah, all. Yeah, I don't. I don't. But I, don't really I'm sure, I think they had to stop having people sign it because everyone was doing that. So much confusion. <laughs> Everyone yeah. was doing that, I'm sure. Right? They didn't Kyle's know exactly right. where Simone, to sign. Everybody there, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that black card you got, man, I tell you, you know, that Amex black card, sure. you got to sign it in the right spot. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> My sister-in-law said, oh, I did that once, but I think she just felt sorry for me. So, okay. No one else? No, I, sure I, I, I know. That. No. No, that, that's the one you keep to yourself, Whitey. To you keep that to yourself, it's man. An, well, I have that's one of those in-house between and you and your decided, wife. You know what? Today's the day. <laughs> you know, I'm going to be a human. I'm going to humanize myself. It didn't work out for me, but you know, I, gave it, I gave it a shot. That's all. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> now, Monday, we were talking to Alex Len. Yes. And Alex Len uh, told Chris and I, and I'm sure you you know, you know, were talking to all these players as well on Monday. Uh, he said, you know, Coach is talking about maybe there are some lineups where I'm on the floor with Domas at the same time. Uh, so you got Domas at the four and I'm at the five and, you know, they were not so small. And that was interesting. Um, but I know and you and I have actually talked about this before that even mm-hmm. came up from him. And we'll see where it goes. It's an interesting idea, but I, you're not crazy about it, are you? No, not at all. And, you know, I, I'm trying to give Mike Brown and the staff and Alex Lynn and Domas the benefit of the doubt. But I just don't see how that works. Maybe you do it in spot in spot situations or something like that. Maybe you do it, you know, against other teams who have uh, twin towers. Let's say Milwaukee, uh, when you play the Bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's say you, you know, go against Giannis and Brooke Lopez. They got twin towers, so maybe you play it. But from an offensive standpoint, DeMontis Sabonis is best at that foul line elbow extended area with the ball in his hands. Where are you going to put the big man? On the other block, the opposite block, where's De'Aaron Fox going to operate coming downhill? I think that, you know, the best offense with this team is you have Sabonis, you have Fox, and you have three shooters that surround them, Mm -hmm. you know, to open up the floor. And then you get a lot of constant movement. You know, as much as I love Alex Lynn, I don't want to see him and DeMontis Sabonis together. You know, I just, um, I I think that the perfect big to pair with DeMontis Sabonis is somebody that can shoot. 
a la maybe a Brook Lopez because he can stretch the floor and you have to respect him. Maybe Alex Lynn has been working on his three. Maybe JaVale McGee has been in the gym getting up shots. I just, I, I don't like the two big lineup, not in today's NBA. Here was what Alex Lynn had to say to us on Monday at Media Day. I mean, it's no secret that in that playoff series, you guys really struggled with the uh, with the glass and, and controlling the glass. And, you know, Kevon Looney had himself a, a yeah. fantastic series. What adjustments can you guys make this year to make sure that that just doesn't happen again? Uh, we'll see uh, uh, what coach come up with. But that, that game seven was tough, though. Like, it felt yeah. like just the ball was just bouncing their way every every single time, especially in that third quarter. Um, but I feel like Coach talked about he might try to play two centers at the same time, like either mm. Domas and me, Domas and JaVale. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see if that, that, that works. Yeah, so so there you go. And obviously it's not something you could do against uh, every team. The way I envision it, if they were going to try it, is Domas is the high post. And Alex Lynn is kind of low. You got some high-low action going, but it just sounds like something that they want to have as an available right. adjustment. Yeah, if they're running into some of the same problems they ran into against. Yeah, the a number of different looks that they could throw at teams, and teams will have to prepare for that. You know, I, I think. And, and speaking of Domas Media Day, one of the things he did talk about is that he's been working on his shot. He's been working on his shooting. Yes. So look for him uh, to extend that. And maybe that's another way, you know, you bring Domas out a little bit higher. You duck in an Alex Lynn, like you said, or a JaVale McGee, and you dump it down for that. I just think, you know, from an offensive standpoint, that wasn't the issue. Like, you, you didn't need a big offensively. What you needed defensively was better perimeter defense and, and better rim protection. And so I just think Domas has to be better on that end uh, defensively and defensive rebounding as well. Yeah, possessions, so much right. of it in that series was about the possessions. Possessions, exactly. But I also wonder, if you're Mike Brown, are you thinking going with a two-big lineup because you want to take some of the pressure off Domas? You know, he gets beat up all the time, you know, having to wrestle with the centers. Now you move him to four, it's more of a finesse game. He can overpower a four. Think about it. Yeah. If if you're, you know, an opposing team, how do you guard Domas? You know, you talk to players around the league. They say he's one of the strongest players in the entire NBA. Now imagine a four having to guard DeMontis Sabonis. And so maybe you have an advantage there uh, with Domas. Also, when you pair him with an Alex Lynn or JaVale McGee, those guys got to be good passers. So maybe Domas is the guy you place on the low block or closer to the basket, bring up JaVale McGee, Alex Lynn, and then do a little high-low with uh, Domas with mm-hmm. a mismatch on the inside. Yeah, obviously the potential downside to having Domas playing fours is he may have a harder time keeping up with them right. defensively. And right. then you're already trying to keep him out of foul trouble. So obviously with everything in basketball, there's the you give and you, you get. Yeah, but I will say, and it's a great problem to have, Whitey, Last year, you couldn't do this. You couldn't entertain Rashawn Holmes and DeMontis Sabonis. You know, I, I just don't think... What happened to Rashawn Holmes last year? He's gone now. We move on. But a lot of people were surprised. I was surprised that he just didn't play more because the year before when he played, he played well. And last year at times, he played well. Yeah, I, I just think, you know, he wasn't Mike Brown's guy. I think defensively, uh, he wasn't a good on-ball defender. Like, he could help. He was a good help defender. Uh, also... You know, when he got his opportunities, he was turnover prone, too. And so when I look at Rashawn Holmes' uh, tenure in Sacramento, to me, it's it's one of the, the most disappointing because 
They signed him to the contract. Him and Tyrese Halliburton had great chemistry, great synergy. It looked like, man. Then he had the off-the-field issues uh, with his baby mother. Then he had, you know, a new coaching staff. Tyrese gets traded. And so it, it, it just became a situation where, you know, a fresh start was needed for Rashawn Holmes. And I don't think he ever felt comfortable in Mike Brown's system. And then what they ask him to do is be a playmaker, be a guy that can facilitate. And I don't know if that was his forte. No, uh, yeah, exactly. And so, and, and I think that's why bringing in a guy like JaVale McGee, who, you know, when I talked to him on Media Day, he says his playmaking ability from a passing standpoint is probably his most underrated asset. Everybody talks about the dunking and the defense and the block shots. He feels like he's a good passer as well. And so now you have a backup to Sabonis where the offense doesn't have to change a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You can still run your same sets. Now you just have JaVale McGee running. I don't think you could do that with Rashawn Holmes. I think when Rashawn Holmes came into the game, or anybody else, Chemezi Metu, whoever, you had to, your offense had to change because nobody could do what DeMontis Sabonis did. Yeah, you're lopping off one big avenue for your offense. Like, well, we can't do that anymore. Uh, Alex Lynn was amazing last year because of the fact that he hardly played at all, and then he was telling us Monday, and he's probably told you, you know, the five games to go, uh, Coach Brown comes to him and says, hey, uh, <laughs> you're going to play here because we want you to be ready for the playoffs. And he said he was really surprised. But he did play well, and he does give them a dimension that said, you know, I think he's a good player. I was a little surprised that they brought him back this year. I was surprised, too. But, you know, one thing that Alex Lynn gives this team, obviously, the size and everything like that, but he's a tremendous practice player. He's not going to complain about his minutes. He's not going to demand the ball. He works hard every single day. He battles, you know, uh, you know, in practice. And so he's a great 11th, 12th man, you know, he's a professional, a guy you don't have to worry about, low money, short money as well. And so, you know, this isn't 2K, uh, Whitey and listeners out there. You can't have all-stars at every position, you know, 12 all-stars and in, in, in every, you need glue guys. Look at, you know, Udonis Haslam carved out a career in uh, Miami uh, just because he was a great leader, a great practice guy. And I think the guys love having Alex Lynn around. You know, he's kind of a funny guy, has a sense of humor, cool dude. And so uh, I, I think, you know, Mike Brown and Monty, you know, for what Alex Lynn can give you, rebounding, defense, he can run the floor, but he's an even better locker room guy. I think that was important to them. That's another reason that a lot of people were underwhelmed by the Kings offseason. They didn't appreciate what the Kings did Depth-wise, I mean, compared to a year ago, as you know better than I, it is night and day right now <laughs> when you look at the depth that appears to be available uh, to Coach Brown. And, yeah, and, and that's the thing. You know, I just finished my third year with the Kings. My first year, they had a glorified G League team. They only had like two or three real NBA players. Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heal. Like, you know, they, they they were struggling. And so every year, that's one thing that Monty has done is improve the roster, giving you that depth. Because let's keep it real, Whitey. The Kings were severe. They were so fortunate last year health-wise. You can't bank on that again this nope. season, right? You, right. you, you got to, you know, if Fox happens to go down, if Monk or Herder or somebody like that, you got to have capable backups. And we were fortunate last year that nobody really missed extended time. Because our backups, you know, especially at the bigs, you had Trey Lyles, 
you know, Chemezi Metu, but, you know, it kind of fell off. Terrence Davis, I mean, you know, this is a much improved roster, uh, a veteran roster that I think takes the game seriously, that are professionals, that come in and work hard every single night, and I think that's the kind of guy Mike Brown wanted, and Monty went out and got it. Another reason the Kings appeared to be so healthy, though, was because they had so many guys, Sabonis chief among them, who was willing to play through right, an injury right. that other guys would have, and it would have been understandable if they'd said, I'm going to have surgery and I'm going to miss 25 games. Yeah, and I know you talked to Sabonis, and this is one thing that he talks about. Sure, he could have had surgery, but he didn't want to miss time, especially the team was rolling, Western Conference, you know, you go on a five, six, seven game losing streak, you go from third to seventh or something like that. And so uh, credit to the guys and credit to the medical staff, too. Let's give the medical staff, Joel Nolan and all those guys, uh, credit for, for keeping guys healthy, keeping them out on the floor. Yeah, we're coming right back here, Drive Guys, with more Kings things. Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason, Sacktown Sports. Live and local, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., Monday through Friday. Sack Town Sports. And the Drive Guys. Our first voyage is the Drive Guys. Whitey Gleason and Kyle Draper. And we're getting ready for a huge Sunday night football game, of course. The 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. And the Kings preseason opener uh, against the Toronto Raptors in Vancouver on Sunday. That one kind of snuck up on you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. And, uh, you know, I like the fact that they have... uh, Five games, uh, preseason games this year, too. Usually they have four, maybe six. You know, you start off in Canada uh, against Toronto. Uh, I wanted to get on that trip, man, so badly. But it's here, you know. Uh, This is a little later start, though, Whitey, than normal. Usually in the Mm -hmm. NBA, you know, uh, training camp starts the last week of September. And then your first uh, preseason game would be right around today, October 3rd, October 4th, or something like that. So this is a little extra time for the guys, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, You know, when I look at this roster, and don't take this the wrong way. (laughs) No, because I I don't take this the wrong way. Because I was about to say say something. Whoa. And and please, don't take this. I don't care about De'Aaron Fox in these preseason games. I don't care about DeMontis Sabonis. I'm looking at Sasha Vezenkov. I'm looking at how they incorporate JaVale McGee. I want to see what Chris Duarte brings to the table because I know my guy De'Aaron Fox is going to give us 25 points. Mark Domas down right now for 19 and 12 again. I want to see Keegan Murray. Is he more aggressive? And so, you know, the stalwarts, you know, when I watch the game, if Fox has the ball, I'm not going to be paying attention. I want to see some of the other guys because I, I know our stars are going to deliver. So who do you think in this first game has the most to uh, accomplish by having by playing really well? I think Sasha because it's his first crack at NBA basketball. I understand. I'm already thinking of him as one of the guys who's more established, but clear, I understand. Yeah, I, like he hadn't done it he yet. He hasn't done it yet, right? Right now, he's been that guy we've seen YouTube highlights, and, and, you know, he's like a myth almost, a unicorn, like Bigfoot. You know, I've seen, you know, people talk about him, but I haven't really seen him myself. And so I want to see, you know, you heard guys from camp saying he's, you know, breaking all kinds of uh, shooting records at practice so far. He's the best shooter on the team. I want to see it come Sunday against the Raptors. And I'm talking about from an excitement standpoint, you know, Keegan Murray, if he goes off, like that's going to. I would put Duarte up there, in my opinion. Really? I just think he has a chance. He has to show that, you know, the last 
year in Indiana, it didn't go that well for him. And he's a promising player, and he has a chance to carve out a real role here, a significant role. But if he continues to kind of underperform and he's been hurt, we talked about that, you know about that, then, you know, I think there's an opportunity there, but I think he's going to have to earn it. But, but, but Whitey, you're talking about the eighth, eighth, ninth man on the team. I know, but like, this is going to be a good team. That's an important right, spot. But, but that's going to be 15 minutes a game, if that, you know. And, and, and if we're looking, it would be great if Chris Duarte came out and played well. I get it, you know. Davion I, Mitchell has to shoot well, da- I feel. Yeah, I want to see Davion. Can mm-hmm. he shoot well? He's been working on his shot, obviously. He was down at Rico Hines' uh, basketball uh, camp at UCLA. You know, he's been putting in the work. I want to see growth from guys. And I'm not talking about the Fox, the bonus, or the veterans. And he, like, I want to see guys doing something that, oh, I didn't know you had that in your game. I didn't know Davion, you could, you know, shoot the three off the dribble. I didn't know Keegan Murray, you could put the ball on the deck, drive to the hole, kick out for an open through. Like, I want to see the, the development that guys have made this season. I know what Malik Monk is. I know what Kevin Herter is. Trey Lyles, Harrison Barnes. But I'll throw Duarte into that mix because we haven't seen him, really. We haven't seen much of him. He was hurt most of last year. Had a great rookie campaign, I thought. And, you know, hopefully he can help this team. Didn't um, didn't Monk surprise you last year with his playmaking? We talked to him about that. And, of course, you know, he's like, I knew it. No one else knew it. But especially um, in the series against the Warriors, he was a much better playmaker than than I thought he was capable of being. I agree 100% with you. And the fact that he was being run as the backup point guard at times last season. Think about that. You know, Mike Brown entrusted him. We knew Malik Monk was a scorer. Can we keep him next year? (laughs) I know. We have to, right? But he might get paid. Like, he might go out there and get paid. And he knows it already. Right. He knows it. But, man, he he could be in the real running. Like, last year we talked about six man of the year and all that. I never thought he had a chance last year of winning that. You know, Bobby Portis was doing well. Other guys were playing extremely well. But this year, I think he has a real chance to be that sixth man of the year. And, you know, more eyes will be on the Kings this season. I think, you know, clearly he can score. He had his best season of his career last year. I think the playmaking, not only him, but Kevin Herter also surprised a lot of people. And so uh, that's one thing. I I don't know about Chris Duarte. I, I can't tell you much about him. But hopefully he could be a playmaker as Very well, too. He's a cheerful guy. He's yeah. incredibly cheerful. Happy no, to be a, here. Upbeat, right? Yeah, yeah upbeat yeah. kind of guy. And uh, I'm happy for him that he got out of Indiana. I don't know necessarily what happened. I think, you know, they drafted, uh, made the trade for Tyrese. So that that sort of took some minutes away from him. The and he injuries. Got hurt a lot. Yeah, yeah, the injuries. But being back with Sabonis, I think, will help him. And so, you know, when you talk about the depth of this team, Last year we probably went could go nine deep, you know. Well, early in the year, KZ Okpala was KZ, a right? Yeah, KZ, bless him. But you still. know, Kessler Edwards even, yeah. you know, got got some uh, time. Uh, you know, now Kessler Edwards on the back end. Like you know, if we use him, it's just for defensive purposes only. Probably this team could go ten or eleven deep easily right mm-hmm. now. Where does Colby Jones fit into all this, or does he really not? That's yet? a great question right there. I, I you know. I think he's going to be, you know, shuttled back and forth in between Stockton. I think he's an insurance policy. You know, if somebody gets hurt, you know, I don't see him getting a whole lot of time just because, you know, he's a rookie, um, a second round pick. He's playing behind De'Aaron Fox. He's playing behind Davion. Shoot, he's playing behind Malik Monk. You could slide over there. Kevin Herter. And so, 
he's probably the sixth guard on the roster, sixth or seventh guard. And I don't see how you, you know, that Watch much and time. Learn. Watch, Watch and, and learn. learn. Exactly. And they can afford to do that, though. He doesn't need to be pressed into duty uh, from day one. We don't need to count on him. Uh, I think he's a situational player, uh, you know, sort of like a, a guy, you know, if you need defense, uh, you need some length out on the perimeter. I think he's a situational uh, player. You mentioned Vizenkov. Yes. And I, one of the things that will be really interesting in the preseason and into the regular season, assuming that he shoots anything close to the way we know he can shoot, it's going to be interesting to see the way teams defend him and right. how they, you know, right. guys are going to you give him, can't give him room, you got to get on him, how are we going to play the pick and roll? That's going to be really interesting to see how teams decide how do we slow this guy down? That is, if he's making shots. Yeah, and, and that quick release that he yeah. has. And that's why I think he'll fit in seamlessly with this team because they need shooting. They need somebody to space the floor. They need somebody to create, you know, even more room for De'Aaron Fox. You got the fastest guy in the game uh, with the ball in his hands in De'Aaron Fox. You have, you know, one of the best finishers in the paint in De'Aaron Fox. You got DeMontis Sabonis. And now you surround those guys with shooters, you know, whether it's Sasha and Keegan. I mean, you know, kudos to Monty McNair. He's actually brought together a real-life NBA roster, a complete roster, and it's going to be an, a nightmare for opponents. Does this surprise you because it surprised me? Asking of Zenkov, what players that played with you and against you in Europe that played in the NBA, which of them did you ask for advice? What kind of advice did you get? He said, I don't I you know just follow my own path. I'm not worried about it. So either he didn't want to tell me, or he just really wasn't asking people for advice. He's no, a very confident. No, guy. he's a, but he's 28 too. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's like yeah. it's a, he's not going to be a wide-eyed rookie. You know, oh my gosh, look at all these fans in the building. Oh my gosh, I'm making millions. He's already done that. He's already played at high levels. We're talking about the Euro League MVP. We're not talking about a scrub or you know, know some guy. We're talking about a guy that. It has a supreme confidence Yelitsu in himself. was a EuroLeague MVP, too. I'm blessed to say I'm a good player. But right. He was yeah. a good player, yeah. though. Yeah. He, he was he was solid. He was an okay player. But I think, you know, when you look at uh, Sasha, he has a little more grit to him. That, you know, a little more toughness, a little more physicality uh, to him. Just the way he walks, uh, a little swagger to him. A little, you know, uh, I'm excited to see this guy. You know, I, I think... I thought it might take some time. You know, I've limited him to eight, nine points. I, I think he's going to be huge for the Kings this season. Yeah, Patrick Donaldson pointing out on the chat here. We didn't even mention Trey Lyles. Yeah, we have I mean, this team. So uh, yeah, we didn't even mention him. Yeah. Um, remember Facundo Campazzo? Yes. Remember? Yeah. We may have talked about this. I apologize if we did. Facundo Campazzo saying the biggest adjustment to the NBA. Did you hear? No. His story? What did he say? He said it's the trash talking. <laughs> and maybe he got a little more of it because right. he's a smaller guy. Right, right. But he right. said, and it was like he said it in his native tongue, and then it was translated into English. So it was a little awkward, but basically he was just saying, oh, it was brutal. Yeah. It was, it, yeah. It, it was. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Hopefully Sasha gives some back, though. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, I think he's going to have lots of opportunities. A very, very confident young man. How many languages does he speak? What do you speak? Three. Three, three right? Three. Yeah, at least three. Yeah. And it looks like uh, I could have learned more, but I just don't have the time. Uh, when we come right back, a look at uh, what's going on uh, in the Bay Area NBA-wise. Uh, interesting news out of Warrior Camp about Chris Paul. Is he going to start? Yeah, you knew he was going to start. <laughs> Next year, Kyle Draper and Whitey Gleason, the Drive Guys.
on Sacktown Sports. Sacktown Sports. Headlines. Happy Wednesday. I'm Simone, and these are your Sacktown Sports headlines. Sacramento Kings training camp is officially underway. Keep up with the beam team all camp long as we head into preseason. Of course, the first preseason game is going to be showcasing a matchup against the Raptors this Sunday, October 8th. Head to SacktownSports.com to preview that set and tap into the latest Kings news and notes. And nothing says October quite like postseason baseball and Wild Card Wednesday. Eight teams will take the field today, but only four will move on from their respective best of three series. I'll run down who's in and who's out all afternoon long as those games conclude. Bruce Bochy's Texas Rangers beat the Rays 7-1 and eliminate Tampa Bay from the postseason. I'm Simone. Those are your headlines. Let's get back to more Drive Guys. Got a question for you here, Drive Guys. KD and KG, the original KD, the original KG <laughs> with you here on Sacktown Sports. Talking a lot about the Kings today. Of course, we're also getting ready for the 49ers and the Cowboys. But here's a Kings question for you. You as a Kings fan, who in the West right now, who scares you and who does not? Does that work for you, Kyle? Who in the West right now? Yeah, like, I hey, like that. They're going to be good. And who in the West do you look at and go, I'm not worried about that. Now, you know, we posed that question, and I want Kings fans to be honest, you know, I don't want this. Oh, I'm not scared of nobody. We could beat anybody. I don't want that. I want honesty here on uh, the drive guys here. So, uh, you know, you can weigh in, obviously, on the YouTube chat. Hit us up, 916-339-1140. But that's a great question because the West is stacked. The West is loaded. I'll give you two that you are going to probably try to shoot them both down. Oh, I probably will. Go ahead. Team that worries me, like I look at them, respect them, OKC Thunder. Team that does not, that I think is overrated, very talented, but overrated. I'm not buying any of the hype on the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> you got to have a point. See, here, here's the thing, Whitey. Yeah. You, want, you I, want honesty? No, is, is you that, want the is truth? That, is you that, can't handle the truth. Is that honesty or is that because everybody loves Phoenix and the big moves oh, that they honest. made that, you know what, I'm going to play the other side. Well, I'm going to be that I'm, guy like, you know. I'm already on record. We had a chat a few weeks ago with Jerry Reynolds, and Jerry was actually with me on the Suns. Oh, really? Yes, sir. See, that, that's... they're not going to be bad. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're not a bad team, but they've got a lot of flaws. They're, they got some age issues. The roster is kind of wonky. I just... You know, the, the ringer today, we'll probably talk about their preseason rankings. They have the Suns in a group of, like, four teams. They could win a championship. That team's not going to win a championship. So so when you say a, a, a team that you're, you're sort of out on, are you talking they're not a top-four seed? Are you talking— I think they're, they're vastly overrated, and I think people that look at them as one of the few true contenders in the NBA, I just don't see them as that. I, I disagree with you, and here's why. I think Devin Booker— is elite, and he's the guy that's going to make this all work. He is this phenomenal. is not Kyrie, Katie, and James Harden with their personalities and all their bag baggage. Bradley Beal is a great player. He's one of the best shooters in, in the NBA. He's, he's a going really to get player on a bad team, but he's, he's going to get that. wide open shots now. Devin Booker's going to get great looks. I think Phoenix will beat you just on talent alone. And the addition of Nurkic is actually better for them, I think, than DeAndre Ayton. Hmm. And I liked Ayton as a player, but Ayton wanted his shots. Yes, I he, understand He wanted that. his touches. But I think Nurkic is really easy for teams that can shoot to play off the floor. 
I but see how he's a better fit than Aiton for what they're doing. I think he's still. a better interior defender, like a one-on-one defender when you match up against a Jokic or something. Aiton got – and I know Jokic abuses everybody, but Aiton abused Jokic big time. I'm actually – you know, I think Phoenix is a top-four seed in the Western Conference. Uh, I'm high on OKC, but I think they're a year away from actually really, you know, making some noise. So mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of OKC. They'll be in the playoffs – They'll be a playing team, but they're not on the Kings level just as of yet. So I'm not worried. You know, for my uh, money's worth, the team I'm worried about, let me start by saying the team I'm not, that I think is overrated. The Warriors are overrated. The Warriors run is over. The Warriors are done. Their age, you know, they're banking on 38-year-old Chris Paul, who has not been healthy in the playoffs since when? He hasn't completed a full playoffs in, in, in I don't know how long. Uh, Steph Curry is getting up in age. Draymond Green, I think we saw the best of Draymond, like the last best of Draymond against the Kings. Klay Thompson is a shell of himself. Steve Kerr talking about playing Klay Thompson at the four. Mm-hmm. They don't have a good bench, I don't think. Their depth, uh, you know, where does Kaminga fit in? Where does Moody fit in? You know, and, and so I think the Warriors' run is over. I think they're overrated. I don't think they'll finish ahead of the Kings. Mark it down. Clip this, Simone. Save this for uh, April 10th or whatever the last day (laughs) of the season is. Drapes, you were right. I want to hear you say that. But, you know, I'm not worried about the Warriors. I do think the Lakers, I think they got something going on. I think the moves they made, you talk about a deep team and adding depth, I think the Lakers will will be in, in the mix. The only issue is, LeBron and AD, can they stay healthy? Exactly. You know, can they, you know, is AD going to play more than 50-something games? With the new player participation policy, (laughs) I don't know if that's going to have any impact. Yeah, that's, that's, that's why I wouldn't put them on that list. Otherwise, I agree with you because obviously last year when the Lakers started the season, they were a bad team. Yes. They were legitimately a bad team. And yet the team they finished the season with was a good team. Right. And they kept that team for the most part intact. No, I agree with you. I I, I think the Lakers, you know, I keep saying, you know, for the last five or seven years, I, I look at LeBron James and I'm like, oh, they got Russell Westbrook. That's great. That'll take some load off of LeBron. They got D'Angelo Russell. That'll take LeBron still has to be that guy for them to win, I think. you know, It's they, interesting, LeBron, as you know, uh, last week or so, mm-hmm. LeBron said, AD's the guy now. Right. Now, he probably doesn't feel that, right. <laughs> really, but it's interesting that he it said it. It should be AD's yeah, team. You know, yeah. AD should be the guy. Um, I, I don't, you know, AD hasn't taken those reins and, and run with it. I, I think the Lakers are super deep. I, I think, you know, Austin Reeves, a lot of people want to hate on him. He's a good player. He's a solid NBA player. He's a very good NBA player. He's and a very so, good player. I have a little Austin Reeves fatigue just because right, he's right. All the, all, Reeves, yeah, all the hype. Know, exactly. Know, nice I'm I'm with you on that. You know, I, and I see how it could, you know, turn people off uh regarding Austin Reeves. But I, I'm afraid of the Lakers. Not so much the Warriors or even the Grizzlies. Hmm. I, I think the Grizzlies take a step back. I think with this John Morant stuff hanging over them, I think they take a step back. 339-1140, You want to give us a call? You want to shoot us a text? Let's talk to Suki on Sackdown Sports. Suki, run with the drive, guys. What's up? Hello, Suki. Suki just Su- hung up. Hung up. Oh, oh yeah, man. 
That's Suki, how, call back. Whitey's like, see, Kyle, I'm going to take a call. And our first call hangs up. And during the break, terrible. I was like, Whitey, we should try to get some calls in. I want to hear from our listeners. I want to hear their passion and what they think. Uh-huh. And yeah, Suki yeah. hung up. Suki yeah. had some free Ouch, game about the Warriors. Yeah. I don't know why you hung up. Ouch. That hurts. Yeah. That hurts. 1140 <laughs> We're here all afternoon, so we got plenty of time. Um, I... Memphis scares me a little more than you do. I understand everything you're saying, and I know that uh, you know Jackson Jr. tends to get in foul trouble. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like him. I think Marcus Smart's a really good addition for them. Marcus Smart in, Dylan Brooks out. To me, that improves them a lot. Really, because See, Dylan Brooks, I saw so many times last year, he took so many bad shots. See, but uh, I'm actually a Dylan Brooks fan, and here's why. I think the level of hate thrown his way was totally overboard. I I think he received too much blame for what happened with that team. All season long, the narrative was about Dylan Brooks taking poor shots, taking bad shots. But he does take a lot of bad shots. I never heard that from Taylor Jenkins. I never heard that from his teammates. They all stuck up for him. Where is he now, though? (laughs) (laughs) They did get rid of But Dylan Brooks, remember, two years ago, Three years ago, Dylan Brooks was ahead of Desmond Bain. Dylan Brooks and John Morant was the backcourt that was supposed to be great. Then Desmond Bain came along. Desmond Bain's way better than Dylan Brooks. Well, shooting-wise. Shooting-wise. Yeah. But let's not act like Dylan Brooks can't shoot. He had a bad season. I just saw him light up Team USA for 39 in the World Cup. Not saying the World Cup is the NBA, but there's a reason why the Houston Rockets decided to give Dylan Brooks an $80 million contract. Because they don't know what they're doing. I I think, see, that's that's that Dylan. See, here's the problem, Whitey. As I listen to you, I, I got you figured out now. You're taking what is happening on social media, the narrative on ESPN, on Twitter and everything, Dylan Brooks is a good player, but everybody wants to dump on him right now. He's a now. very good defender. Let me, he, I'm going to pull up his numbers. You, you're making me upset. He shoots them out of games. You look at his three-point shooting and how many shots he took last year, and you can see why they were willing. Maybe they used him as, uh, as a scapegoat a little bit with everything that went down this year, and that's not fair. That's what I'm saying. It was a yeah, scapegoat. I, I understand that, and, and, yeah, he doesn't deserve that. Um, and Yeah, he's a solid defender, but he you watch them play in that Lakers series. It's like, Oh my goodness, he feels ordained by God to take the big shot in certain situations where do you know who that is? That's Desmond Bain right there. He's a better <laughs> shooter than you, Dylan Brooks. Look, but listen he's to stubborn. this. He's like Westbrook. He's a little stubborn because he thinks he's a better shooter than No, he, he I got the numbers to back it up. He is a better shooter than what he shot last season. He was 36% his rookie year, 37 and a half his second year. 36, his third, those are solid NBA percentages. And I'll tell you for a fact, there are those within the Kings organization that looked at Dylan Brooks and said, man, I wish we had that kind of guy on our team. Because he guard, he's that toughness. And so it backfired. When you bark like that, when you play like that, you got to be able to back it up. And he didn't back it up last season. 339 1140, 1 Bill joins us. Drive Guys, Sackdown Sports. How you doing, Bill? Doing all right. It's Phil, not Bill, but it's Phil. All right. Phil, my bad. What Phil. you got, Phil? Yeah, I want to talk about the Warriors. I agree with you guys. I think the Warriors are way overrated. If Chris Paul's going to be in the lineup with Curry, you got two small guys that don't play any defense. Curry used to hide with Clay Thompson, guarding all the best players. Then they're saying Clay Thompson's going to play the four, and then they lost Jordan Poole scoring off the bench. He used to average like 20 points per game. 
their bench is all playing defense. I don't know. I think they're a playing team at worst. Or not at worst, but at best. At, at best. best. All right, thank you, Phil. Phil, thank right. you. My my man, I, I agree. I, I just think, you know. You don't like, and, and it's fine, but you don't like the Warriors, huh? You're kind of like the way I am towards the Seahawks. <laughs> Yeah, I, I am a little biased. Out, I, I am a little jaded. Yeah, when I look at the Warriors, you know, I love Raymond Ritter, who's their PR guy. You know, Raymond. Raymond's the best of the best. But what transpired last season, and in the playoffs with their fans and the Draymond stomp and everything, it really turned me off to them. And you know, this was a team that struggled to win on the road last season, and I know they have championship pedigree. But let's go down and look at their age. Steph Curry's 35. Draymond's 33. You got Klay Thompson. Let me pull him up. He's 33. So these are the guys that are clear. Chris Paul, 38. And you consider Klay's surgeries. He's exactly, exactly. He's older. You know, Klay had a solid season offensively, but he's not the defender that uh, he used to be. And as great as the Warriors have been during their run, to me, it wasn't their offense that made them great. It was their defense. I agree with and you. And I don't think their defense is going to be as good. Uh, I just don't think they have great on-ball defenders anymore. Clay's not that guy anymore. You can't high step anymore. And so I, I just think the Warriors are overrated. I, I, I'm with Phil. I got them as, you know, maybe a 5-6, maybe even a 7 kind of seed. I, I just, you know, I, I don't get this Vegas hype. You know, some people had them at 51 wins, you know, yeah. this upcoming. I'm like, I, I just don't see it. I don't mm-hmm. see it. Uh, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, 339 1-800-920-1140 in the West. As a Kings fan, who scares you? Who do you respect in the West? Who are you not frightened of at all? Phil and, and Kyle just piling on the Warriors here. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll look at the Warriors' plan for their starting lineup going forward. It's Kyle Draper and Whitey Gleason here on Sacktown Sports Drive, guys. 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Monday through Friday, Sacktown Sports. And what a time it is to be talking local sports. Drive, guys, Kyle Draper, Whitey Gleason. Got the Kings preseason opener Sunday. Also Sunday night, the 49ers play. Let's see, who do they play? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. The Dallas Cowboys. You can hear that game here on Sacktown Sports. Uh, 339-1140, 1-800-920-1140. Our question, as a Kings fan, who in the West are you? Whoa, watch out for them. Who in the West are you? Pfft, get out of here with that. On the uh, text line here, some comments from the 916, Mr. Draper. Who are you rooting for Sunday night? That's Frank and Antelope. Frank, you oh, put somebody, your name somebody on it. said that? Good job. <laughs> Was that on the text line? I don't have access. I need to get access to that. Yeah. Uh, who am I rooting Frank for on um, also Sunday? Also, your name with an I, so it's Drapier. So, oh, yeah. I was just in Paris. Yeah. Know, so oh, that's French. Really? Drapier. <laughs> that's a tough question because here's why. My loyalties are to the Philadelphia Eagles. I, it's so crazy. I grew up a Cowboys fan. We went over that before. Mm-hmm. But the station, we are the home of the Niners. If the Niners lose, that's good for my Eagles. But the Eagles rival are the Dallas Cowboys. Can we get a tie? I want a tie. How about that? I want a tie. I want a 27-27 you know tie. What? Just say, hey, Frank, I'm rooting for the Kings Sunday night. Exactly. <laughs> that's true. Thanks, You're right. Yeah, yeah, I'm, root, I'm rooting for the Kings uh, <laughs> Sunday night. But, no, that, that's a tough matchup, man. Either way, I, I like to think of it like this. No matter what happens, the Eagles win. You know? 
Cowboys are a division rival, a threat to the Eagles. If they lose, then Eagles gain more ground and separate themselves from Dallas. If the Niners lose, and I've told you and we've talked about this, I think the NFC Championship game comes down to who has home field advantage, Eagles or Niners. If it's at Levi's, then I got the Niners winning. If it's at the link, I got the Eagles. So I'm okay no matter what happens. Whatever happens, I'm going to be happy. From the 916, Domas played four in Indy, didn't he? It didn't work. Yeah, when he was uh, paired with Miles Turner. Right, right, yeah, yeah. They they say it didn't work, but I thought it actually, it wasn't that bad. But Miles Turner is a stretch big, though. Mm -hmm. He can shoot the three. And so I think that, and he's a great defender, shot blocker, you know, that kind of thing. I just think, you know, when you look at Alex Lynn and you look at uh, JaVale McGee, if they can improve their shooting, open up the floor, I think it works a little bit better. I'm with you. I wouldn't say it didn't work. I would just say it got to a point where they hit that ceiling and they right, got as good the as ceiling. they were ever right, going to get. Exactly. And they realized, well, we want to get further than this, so we're going to have to make some moves. Yeah, exactly, because, you know, it actually worked for a while. You know, it, it was fine. They were fine with it, but they reached the ceiling. They had plateaued that unit. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's the word from Golden State, Steve Kerr, yesterday. I'll just read it. Just uh, read it. Yeah, Coach yeah. Steve Kerr said on Tuesday that not only would Chris Paul start, but the defensive rotations for his fellow stars would change quite a bit, especially for Clay Thompson. And Kerr said via the Athletic, Clay would guard the four man. Well, good luck with that, Warriors. Remember last year, statistically, the Warriors had the best starting five in the NBA. They trade for Chris Paul. I understand that. There's a lot of talk about is he coming off the bench? Is he not? He says publicly, whatever's good for the team. The next day, the coach comes out and says, oh, he's starting. Chris Paul wants to start. He's insisting that he start, and it's to the detriment of this team. It's hurting this team if he starts. Steve Kerr said that? No, I'm saying that. Oh, you're saying that? I'm saying that. If Chris Paul starts and he's going to, that is not the best thing for the Warriors. If if I, come on, if I, Clay's no, playing the uh, four. <laughs> Clay Thompson <laughs> playing the four. No, you're right. You're 100 percent white, right, Whitey? And I agree with you. But I also want to add on to that. If Chris Paul finishes the game, that's a detriment to their team as well. Like at some point, you know, Chris Paul is going to have to be on the floor. But their optimal lineup doesn't include Chris Paul. Clay Thompson, um, Steph Curry, and Wiggins. Like, those four on there with Draymond or Looney, that's not their optimal lineup. Draymond's a, a, a best at the four. Looney's a best at the five. And then you got to mix out those other three. And so the question isn't to me who starts or what. It's come winning time down the stretch. What's your five-man lineup? Like Magic called it winning, winning time. time. Yeah. Exactly. What's your lineup? And is Chris Paul out there? And if so, who's on the bench? You're not putting Wiggins. You could argue Wiggins, their second best player, uh, after uh, Steph Curry, obviously. Steph is going to be on there. Does Clay go to the bench? Does Draymond? Does Looney? Do you go small to close games? And, and I think it'll be situational, obviously. If you're winning, you go with your best defensive lineup. If you're losing, you go with your best offensive lineup. But this Chris Paul thing has, uh, you know, has the potential to blow up this Warriors uh, oh, yeah. team. Like, I'm this, with you. This, this could get, get bad quickly. They appear to be in denial about a couple of things. Like, Chris Paul wants to start. Okay, that'll work. 
and Clay's going to play the four. Oh, yeah, all right. We'll be fine. Well, no, those are bad ideas. I think where Chris Paul may be most valuable to this team is if he's on the floor during those minutes where Steph is out. And there aren't many of those, but they're very vulnerable. Sometimes, especially a couple years ago, when Steph was out, the Warriors were like a a hockey team that had somebody in the penalty box trying to kill a penalty. You know, it's like they don't have enough guys until he comes back. So Chris Paul would help with that. But obviously in his mind, he's a lot more than that. And that's where they're running into problems. And the Kings should benefit. From yeah. That. And the Kings should benefit. And you, you know, Kerr's talking about starting Clay Thompson, you know, at the four spot plan Clay. is Clay garden, Zion Williamson. Is he guarding Carl Anthony towns? Uh, Anthony Davis. I mean, who who's he guarding out there? You know, and and so I may have to go with my uh, big lineup, double big lineup, if I'm the Kings and I'm playing against. Oh the- my <laughs> gosh, him as a bonus, it would punish that dude. And yeah. so that, that's why I think you know it never made sense to me to go out there and get Chris Paul. I know you want an adult in a room. I know you want a guy that can settle things down, run the offense. Um, but Chris Paul has always been a starter. He's the point God, they call him, for a reason. He needs the ball in his hands. And so I, I just, there's, if you could have got Tyus Jones, went and, you know, traded uh, Tyus Jones from Memphis instead of letting him uh, go. That that would have been a perfect backup. Somebody like that. Not necessarily Chris Paul, who's 38 and uh, wants to start, is going to be a starter. Uh, it, this is a 2K move. Um, that Mike Dunleavy Jr. made. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is a, a video game kind of move. They made. allowed themselves to get behind the eight ball on Jordan Poole, and then they were forced to do something, which ultimately, all things considered, uh, hurts them potentially as much as it helps them. But I was wondering, did you hear Pablo Torre and his explanation for why, supposedly the real reason why, Draymond punched Jordan Poole? Did you hear it, and do you buy it? I, I did see that. Re- refresh my memory again. Uh, Pablo Torre says that what happened was they were saying things, of course, and then the final straw, the last straw, was when Jordan Poole says, you're an expensive backpack, backpack for yeah. 30. <laughs> and that was what? I don't know. I'm, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that that's the final straw. I, I think it got a little more deeper and a little more personal. Um that's pretty personal. But it's true, though. I For mean, a guy he is that's going to get paid talking to a guy who's won championships and it appeared to be a guy who was on his way out. We'll it's true, know. though. Where, where's the lie at? Draymond Green, as, as good of a player <laughs> he is, you know, and I've always said this about Draymond, and, and I know we're up against it, and maybe we'll talk about this in the next hour, but Draymond on any other team isn't as valuable. He's not as good. You send Draymond Green to the Washington Wizards. Is he really Draymond Green? Is he just, you know what I mean? Like, I, do. I, I just think, he, you know, he was a perfect complement to what the Warriors did. Mm-hmm. Well, you could kind of say uh, people are saying the same thing about Brock Purdy on another team. Is he still any good? <laughs> We're b- back to Brock Purdy. Tell you how Purdy and Kittle could play the Cowboys like a fiddle this Sunday Ooh. night. We're right back with that here on The Drive, guys. It's Kyle Draper and Whitey Gleason on Sacktown Sports. Yes.